Blog Talk Radio.
So we'll see about that. I mean, so we'll just work around that, I guess. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> but all right, fellas, this is getting right to it, yo. Um, the Flakegate. It finally ended. Tom Brady finally came correct. He finally said, you know what? You got me. Kind of, you know, to, to, to kind of paraphrase um, uh, Walter White from uh, Breaking Bad. But at any rate, so I know that Tom Brady wanted to fight the man. I understand him want to go against NFL commissioner slash warden slash player hater Roger Goodell, or as I call him, Roger Goodell, uh, for mm. this silly suspension. And even though I think it's all it's much to do about nothing, I still think the Tom Brady should have come correct a long time ago. But why is he giving up the fight now? I'll kick it off to you first, Trevor. Why is Tom Brady giving up the fight now? I think last, last week instead of like last year. First and foremost is the fact that the Supreme Court wasn't going to hear him. I mean, uh, the, the, I mean that's really you know the, there was only one battle left to fight, and when you know it, it's like if you schedule a fight at the arena, and the arena says no, nah, y'all can't fight. I mean, you ain't got no fight left. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, he had all the he got it from his, you know his legal team. Word was already passed down by whatever channels those may be. Hey, the Supreme Court ain't hearing this. And the Supreme Court, to be honest, probably didn't have a good reason to hear it. In general, even though they have gotten caught up in these, you know, union and um, collectively bargained deals, they don't really like to. The courts don't tend to. And we, we've forgotten that because Roger Goodell has been on this, this losing streak when it's come to the courts until just recently. So yeah. for the most part, the, the courts are like, you know, you know, carry this someplace else. Y'all, y'all already collectively bargained. You've given the power to the man. He's exercising his power. You know, this is what it is. And so at this point, wow. there's nothing really left for Brady to do. I mean, if if I had the money, I'm gonna be honest. If I was him, and if I had the money, because I kind of look at it a little bit differently. Um, and the highest court in the land said, yeah, we're going to hear it? Sure, why not? Because, you know, he would have probably gotten a stay. He probably would have gotten to play, at least through the playoffs, you know. And then should he have a good playoff run, another good season, maybe another Super Bowl ring, what's he going to do? Retire. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So the way to, to Brevin's point, it seems like the Supreme Court maybe has other person, more personalities, such as I don't know, uh, stuff going on with with, with, uh, with the federal government with Obamacare instead of Tom Brady's stay of suspension for the Flategate. So, I mean, I mean, yeah. So, so basically, why? I mean, I guess what? I guess what I'm trying to say is, why would Brady fight something that the end of his own union collectively bargained? I mean, does he have to prove that his penis is longer than than the devil's that badly? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it's necessarily I mean, that. Um, my my guess ha- is that he, and from what my understanding is, the uh, Players Association uh, may even look to take this to court as well. They, they want to go ahead and, and prove that. It's a situation where they feel as though that Roger Goodell has entirely too much power, and he's he's using it uh, unjustly, and, and, which I completely agree with. But hey, you yeah. signed the you signed the the, 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 the agreement. 
That was mm-hmm. something you guys should have thought about. And unfortunately, right. they had to wait until what twenty twenty in order to to uh, to renegotiate this deal. It, it's it's going to be insane for yeah. the next uh, four years until they're able to to uh, to renegotiate this deal. Hey, may I so add in something man. on that too? Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you, you also got to look at this, no, too, from the uh, Players Association standpoint. You know, mm-hmm. this battle with okay. Goodell can never stop, really, because if he can put Tom Brady down uh-huh. after, you know, yeah. after, you know, um, you got Deflategate, but before then you had Bountygate, and you mm-hmm. saw that didn't really go right. in Goodell's favor. So you don't right. think this man has other grudges and grievances to exercise against players? He just got Brady. What do you think he's going to start doing to everybody else? Exactly. So the players' association has to fight this at every turn. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing because he's basically come out on the short end of the stick in every other instance, and now he gets a big win because it's against the big boys. against technically one of the faces of the league, and what do you do at this point? As the players' association, you have to attempt to fight it, but, you know, um, I, I, I think it's going to be turned away as well. Yes. Yeah. You know what? I mean, here, uh, here's the deal. We all know on this podcast how much I cannot stand Roger Goodell. I think that's not a secret by this point, okay? And I think the average fan cannot stand Goodell as well. However, the NFL Players Association, you guys touch on this, they signed a damn contract with Roger Goodell <laughs> in, the, in, in, in the NFL. They, they signed did. it. No one put a gun yeah. to their head. They could have just kept holding out and negotiating for a better deal. But they, but the players got, they start getting scared about missing game checks, which I can't blame for that. But yeah. if you want to be the strongest, you got to show some toughness. You got to show some yeah. moxie. You can't give the dude, the, your, the commissioner, all the power in the world. He's the judge, jury, and executioner. That's on the NFLPA. They can try to do as however they like, like however much they want to save face, but it is what it is. They signed the damn contract. They signed the damn CBA. Now they look weak as hell. And as a matter of fact, they are the weakest country in, I think, in the world. By far. Because I don't see the baseball player association, which I think is the strongest, I don't see him caught on to a deal like this. I don't see the, the NBA Players Association doing stuff like this. I don't, well, I th- well, I I take that back. Maybe it's not as bad as the NHLPA, but even but I think the Hockey uh, Players Association is getting it right or doing better by themselves. So I and think the NBA the Refs Association does better than NFL players. <laughs> see, there you go. There you go. But see, I that's mean, the thing. And, and that's like one of the things I get tired of hearing every June and July is how short it that these NFL players are when it when it comes to their contracts every time NBA free agency rolls around. This is something that you guys agreed to. You know, yeah, and, right. and you you need to take it to D Smith, you need to take it to your players rep. You need to take it to somebody yeah. in the NFL PA and, and, and rectify right. the situation. But the thing is this they don't want to strike, which I completely understand because there's a whole lot of things that aren't going in the NFL's favor when you talk about brutality, crime, uh, even the amount of money that they're currently making now. People are, are frowning on that. And then you add the flake gate in that, and that as well. 
the last thing they yeah. want to do is strike. Man, they're going to lose yeah. more fans than this. And you and you got to keep in mind too. It, yep. uh, you know, most of the fans, we look at the salaries of a, a you know a marquee star like a Brady, but seventy percent of the league, those players literally cannot afford to strike, and yeah, the right. and the players association represents them too. They know they can't keep those guys that are those late round picks and those undrafted free agents that make up the bulk of the league. They know they can't really keep those guys out of work. So, I mean, yeah, they were weak. They were negotiating from a weakened position. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so what do you guys, like, like, quick, like, uh, obviously, there's nobody wanting to answer here, but how, how could a player start to strengthen their own position? I mean, we're dealing with a player association who, who allows unguaranteed contracts, who allows a lower salary cap. So, the NFL is making billions upon billions upon billions per season. I mean, how how could they strip in their own position, Dwayne? Like, like, how do you think they could actually even score even a small victory against the NFL? Wow, that's a fantastic question. And I don't know if I necessarily have the answer. And oddly enough, that was one of the <laughs> things that we kind of talked about on the show last night was, unfortunately, uh-huh. um, this notion that – and I guess it's only with the NFL. I, don't, I can't think of any other sports commissioner where this is the thought process. The, uh, the, the 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 commissioner or, or Roger Goodell in this case is not supposed to be what a lot of people think working for the owners. He's supposed to be mm-hmm. a, 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 a a non-judgmental entity that's looking out for the welfare of the game. But he, he he's known as this guy that's supposed to work for the owners, and in in, in some instances he's even screwing them. So it's it's gotten to a point now where he hasn't taken too much power, you know, and something needs to be done. Well, Robert Kraft would certainly agree with you that he's screwing some of the owners. Yeah, about to yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> and the Saints. And the Saints, too. And the Saints. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, 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 so do you have anything to add to that, or do we just pretty much. I, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I am pessimistic. Yeah, I'm pessimistic that the NFL players can strengthen their position. Um, they're on the wrong side of history. It, it's also, yeah. in a lot of ways, I believe it's circumstantial. That's my opinion. Um, if you compare it to baseball with its legacy, I mean, they just had the head start where in terms of, you know, popularity. Now, baseball isn't as popular as it was, but their their economic right. situation is based on history and legacy. The NBA, the players are an irreplaceable commodity. Where that's not the place, that's not the case in the NFL. The NBA has always, right. since the '80s, has understood. You know, the faces, the money makers, are the players. People come to see the players. They don't come to see the teams. Right, right. And they've always understood that. So, and they got less guys. They got less guys to pay. So why not pay them? Which helps. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what? I will say this. I'm proud to say that the only team to vote against the last CBA was the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that my beloved Steelers did something right. Again, blaze the trail, even though it was a far, by far losing cause, and the NFL players get screwed over it. So yeah. speaking of getting not getting screwed over, let's, let's turn it to a more positive spin here. Let's talk about our beloved HBCUs for a minute. Um, like, uh, yes. I, was, I, I was like, I was, 
I was perusing um, an HBCU account, and they were talking about, and, and first of all, for those out there who don't know what HBCUs are, those are historically black colleges and universities. So let's get that out of the way. But um, what I'm happy about is, is that 10, I think it was the 10 of the, of the MEAC schools, of the mid the, the uh, mid uh, Eastern Athletic Conference schools, um, which our beloved Aggies belong to, anti Aggies. Hey, pride. Uh, belong to. Uh, damn right. Um, I think ten of the schools signed with Nike. Is that correct? And, that is uh, absolutely the, correct. And the schools were, okay, cool. And the remainder of the schools signed with Under Armour. So no, not the I, remainder. I only. Oh, I'm sorry. Only three others. If our if our if my yeah, math is okay. correct, only three others. It's uh ter- actually okay. only two others. It's it's officially oh. uh who is that? Um Hampton. I know Hampton Howard and Morgan Hampton. State. So uh, so Morgan State has actually come out uh, as as signing the deal? Oh no, I was asking. Oh no, last I heard Morgan State was the only one that was still on the fence. But oh. being oh. that they're in Baltimore, you would assume that they would sign the deal. But Toppin, right. you know, as did I. But no news has come out about Morgan yet. And and with Coppin signing with Nike, even though they're based in Baltimore, I thought that was an interesting move with them as well. I actually thought mm. that all of all of the upper mid-Atlantic schools were all signed with Under Armour. But it seems as though that they're, they're, they, they, with their current relationships with Howard and Hampton, made it easier for them to sign with them. And I'm just waiting to see what happens with, with Morgan. But I, I truly believe that that's the direction that they're going to head into. Hmm. Well, even I, though I it, it, well, it shouldn't have already been announced come July one, but I'm surprised that no yeah, news has saying. actually come out yet. I, I don't know if they're uh, waiting for the other Power Five leagues to finish with their the uh, the, the, the football media days. I don't know why they wouldn't announce it because I think it would make a great start and great momentum heading into the season. Uh, but let's just let's just focus on the on the on the sneaker deals for a minute on the the, the athletic deals. I'm happy. I'm happy for the for the schools in MEAC. I'm happy for potential for the Raider HBCUs outside of the SWAC because I think the SWAC has some few of the SWAC school has has deals as well with Nike. I know Gremlin does, and I believe Southern does too. I could be wrong with about that, but um, I don't know. I haven't heard anything from the SWAC schools as of yet. And last I saw okay. during their media day, they were parading. They were still parading um, uniforms from Russell. So that that made me question whether or not oh, they have deals crazy. with them uh, with with anyone else yet or not. But I'm I'm still waiting to hear. So once I hear, of course, I'll, I'll let it be known. Well, at least Grambling's carrying that that the Nike flag right now. So so good for Grambling. But um, I'm, I just I, I I just wondered out loud why. Would why why would it take so long for Nike, Under Armour, and I and and others who want to get on board to get on this bandwagon? I think there's a lot of money to be made with these HBCUs, and particularly in the MEAC because they have strong followers like A&T, Hampton, Howard. Uh, you know, you know the list goes on, and 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 and, and I think I saw on this on this particular HBCU Twitter account. I, I forget which exact account it is. I apologize for that. But they had like different renderings, uniform renderings from the Nike schools, and then mm-hmm. if you could mad. please please tweet that over to me if you <laughs> when you see yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't like let you know who it is. 
Okay. I can let you know who it is because uh, I, I commend this dude for, for the work he does in terms of uh, sports journalism when it comes to covering HBCUs all the time, and, and, and that's yeah. uh, HBCU game day. Um, when, when, because these schools were already in talks in terms of doing contracts um, outside of Russell for the past year, two years. Uh, the thing is, the reason why they haven't signed anything with the HBCUs in such a long time is because of the fact that um, all four conferences had a long-standing contract. If I remember correctly, it was at least ten years. It was two contracts of five years consecutively with Russell, mm-hmm. and of course, it just ended this this past um, school year. And once right. that door opened up, uh, it, it it gave the institutions an opportunity to either figure out whether or not they want to go ahead and sign individually. Uh, with whatever uh, apparel maker that they wanted to, or if they wanted to come in as as a, uh, as a conference, and it seemed like for a while there that each individual schools would be responsible for their own, but it, it looked like they were they came in as a group. But the way that it was coming to me, it was trickling in institution by institution because the first school I heard about was A and T signing with Nike a couple of months ago. Yeah, and then it came out that, that that uh that Delaware State signed with them as well as 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 Florida A and M and I heard about Howard talking with Under Armour a year ago. They were just waiting for the contract to uh to, to, to expire with Russell. Now the thing is this and and I, I completely agree with you guys the the type of exposure that, that will uh uh be generated with them having apparel deals uh, with 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 Nike and Russell. Hopefully, will 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 spread the brands of the institutions. But when you're talking about uniform designs, I have a couple of issues being a designer myself because number right. one, <laughs> the designs of these uniforms are left in the hands of the players and the coaches who aren't necessarily designers. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah they can match colors. But they're not going to do anything that's going to be super creative, and and they'll be limited anyway because they'll be working within the templates that are generated by Nike and by Under Armour already, which you already probably have seen with air, with, with uh, high schools and colleges as is. So they they won't have anything custom. Also, one of the things that I've had an issue with in terms of HBCU uniform designs is that there's no brand identity. When you think about University of Florida, when you think about Florida State, when you think about Georgia, Notre Dame, you 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 know what type of uniforms, unless it's some crazy tertiary union that they're going to work on. But for the most part, you know what their uniforms and their helmets are going to look like. And I feel as though that's something that's missing with HBCUs. And another thing, as great and dynamic as the uniforms are going to look, and this is a conversation that I've had with Paul Lucas of, of uh, Uniform Watch, well, Watch, that's also with ESPN. Yeah, he, he basically said to me, you know what, it doesn't matter how good your uniform looks. Basically, the uniform design starts with the helmet. And I've seen some atrocious HBCU helmets. And if, these, if those things don't change, 
it, it, it'll throw the uniform completely off. It means absolutely nothing. Like, I've seen Delaware State's yeah. uniform. The uniform looks great, but if they come out with that trashy helmet, I swear for God, it's gonna look horrible. It's gonna look like it's gonna look like a Ferrari on horrible rims. Why? Why would you even do that? And I know many of me at schools that are gonna come out with these great Nike uniforms, but are gonna have trashy helmets, and it's gonna anger me so much. And God knows, I'm taking it to social media as soon as I see it. Please do. Please HBCUs do. be warned. If you Our have great uniforms, with Dwayne Nash. <laughs> <laughs> if you have great uniforms and trashy helmets, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out because there's no need of you having these great uniforms. It's like wearing a nice Easter suit with ran over shoes. Why? Why are you even doing that? It's, 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 it's sickening. So, you know, and my thing is this. With, with Russell, it was never about the, 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 the brand itself with them having bad uniforms for them to choose from. No. These coaches and players were just choosing bad combinations for these players to play in, and that's why the uniforms look so atrocious. So, you know, now it's just going to be a, a pretty atrocious thing that's going to be thrown out there. Or on Saturdays, God knows. I, I, I hope it's not going to be bad. I'm praying. <laughs> and that's the thing, too. Um, the the, the MEAC Media uh, Day for football is coming up next week. And my I guess, think that's where okay. you probably would get that announcement. Exactly. And that's yeah. when that announcement will probably yeah. come out. And, it's a, it's man, you know, they normally bring out the uniforms and the helmets that day. That's going to be the day that we see these helmets, and God knows. If them things look trashy on media day, they're going to look trashy on the field. Man, I swear. Oh, Lord. Well, how about this, Dwayne? Like, like, wouldn't you be cool if A&T, like, bought some, like, Oregon-like inspired Nike uniforms or have the the midnight blue, some old gold, the flashy gold, and some weird-ass gray uniforms and flipping them, flopping them, and, has you know what? Helmets, you know. Yep. I don't know about the gray, but the one thing that was okay. that was tossed out between me and and uh, the gentleman over at HBCU Game Day is what if A&T okay, brought back the okay, old okay. yellow helmets? Boy, I would A&T, love. Oh. I, at this point, I would love to see that. Exactly. And you know, when you said that, I, I had to retweet uh, the university. And they love the concept. Now, whether or not they're going to do it is a whole other thing. But, God, if they were to bring back the old yellow helmets with the, with, with a, a Nike yellow uni and a white pant, might be a little tasty there. I might like that a little bit. I mean, I would love this. I, I, I like the Navy helmet, too. Don't get me wrong. But if, if we, can keep have, we can roll with both. Exactly, you know, but that's the thing. That's one of the things. Yeah. I don't know whether or not a lot of these institutions have the the funds to do multiple helmets. Even though I have seen, just don't throw away the old ones. Don't throw away the old ones. There you go. There you hey, go. Yeah. Hey, right. look, hey, look, fellas, fellas, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. Right, fellas, I'm gonna tell you. I I currently have one of the old yellow. I didn't play at A and T, but I have one of the old yellow helmets. Sitting here looking at me right here in my man cave. You know what? I've and, seen you wearing it on a right. double S. Right. <laughs> and I have a um, a former uh, road jersey, the white one with the blue number and the, mm-hmm. 
yellow outline. We say blue go, but we used to yell at the cheerleaders when they when we say blue, you say go. We yell yellow. All right, so that's what so it was the, the blue and the yellow, uh, and that jersey was worn by my boy Ray Marsh. Shout out to Ray Marsh. And basically, how did these come into my possession? Because these helmets had been worn for years, and when mm-hmm. they were getting the blue ones, they somebody in the sports equipment the group basically gave us an inroads to purchase this um, used gear. Oh wow! After okay. a game one night, I was I had been down there for a game, and somebody gave me a call. The opportunity was too great to pass up. The numbers are right with the money, and I, I copped some helmets and I copped the jersey. And yeah, well, so anyway, that's how that stuff. Look, we know these guys ain't throwing these helmets away every year. This ain't Notre Dame, you know. This yeah. ain't Florida State. They ain't refreshing every year. So yeah, right. I think we can we can we can have multiple helmets. So, so I would love to see. Let me ask you this. So. What do you think? Like we, I know we talk about Ant, and I know that that we we that Ant has the unique status of being a, a state school under the USC system. So they're so thankful they're getting that they're, they share money anyway, and the campus looks definitely looks apart now. Thank the Lord. But mm. as far as the other MIAC schools, what do you think? What effect the Nike and Under Armour deals will have in terms of their athletic departments? Do you think that, and hopefully that that they will clean up, I don't want to say clean up, but spruce up their, their sporting facilities because even if even if the Nike payments and other payments are modest, there's still a lot of money. There's still mm-hmm. a lot of money for like, like like for these schools. So what effect do you think you'll have on the, I guess, the uh, facilities, sporting facilities of, of these institutions? Uh, I probably couldn't <laughs> tell you. Um based on the uh, state of things, um, I know it's not 1998, but remember when uh, A&T basketball teams uh, got the uh, Jordan deal? Uh, yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the you know, not so much as a single locker in the locker room got painted over because of that. Wow. You know, so I don't really know what's different now than it is back then. I just know it's probably different. Um, of course, the big thing is you have renewed enthusiasm from the fans. That's that's the thinking on yeah. the large scale. Um, you mm-hmm. hope that trickles down as well. Oh, we look hot. Oh, and, and you would hope. You know, you got obviously more tickets sold, more attendance, more donations, more people buying the paraphernalia if they could. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's made available to them through uh, easy channels, you know, because – it's still not right. easy for everybody to go online and order these things. Um, True. So, you know, I mean, if you have a big name brand, you know, man, uh, apparel maker like a Nike or Under Armour, you you would imagine, hey, I can go anywhere and buy this stuff, you know, or it's easier to get to. So you would think maybe you might see some of the returns through there. That's the hope. That well, is the hope. And yeah, and like Trevor. That's the hope too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and like Previn, I, I haven't been privy to the details. I've been uh, making some calls, and unfortunately I haven't had any return to me as of yet. And, and once I do get the details, of course, I'll let everyone know. But please, just, please. I, I'm just trying to figure out exactly what type of kickback. You're absolutely right, Scott. What type of kickback the institutions will get from these deals um, and, and, and how it will affect the departments as, as, as a whole. I but think you're right. a lot of money uh, to be made. 
Yeah, I think it's just a lot. I'm sorry. I thought going fast. I think it's a lot of money to be made by not getting on the arm on the on the on like like on these HBCUs, particularly MIAC and SWAT. I think yes. there's a lot of money to be made with these schools because these schools in MIAC and the SWAC they're popular HBCUs. They people know who they are. They got rapid fan base. They got big mm-hmm. fan bases. So and the know, fans are waiting for them. They're looking for the stuff. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So why? So I'm glad that Nike and Armor are doing this. I'm glad they're doing this. It took them long enough. I'm glad they're doing this for the for at least at least for the football program. But I'm just saying, there's a lot of money to be made. And I think when once Nike and Armor sees that, I think you see a trickle down effect to the other like the HBCU based leagues, such as the. Of course, the swag outside of Graham because Graham is already at the school, and um, the CIAA and the and the SIAC, the SIAC, I guess. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of money to be made by these major shoe companies. With HBCU. you know what? Now that you bring that up, I do find that interesting because the original deal was with all four major conferences, and like I said, okay. I haven't heard anything about the SWAC conference. Uh, the SEAC had their uh, their media day today. I haven't heard anything about them signing with anyone new. And the CIAA mm-hmm. will have, I think, their media day tomorrow, and I haven't heard any news about them as well. So my guess is that they've all stuck with Russell, but they've all, excuse me, they've all had an opportunity to jump because the contract was over for everyone. But um, mm-hmm. I, I guess it was it was a situation that either the institutions themselves or the conferences as a whole couldn't um, negotiate something with anyone other, or they didn't want to go with anyone other than uh, Russell. Gotcha, gotcha. So let's just shift gears for this one last bit here. I'll let you guys go on this. The great, lost in all of this, what, 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 what we were talking about for the past week, Tim Duncan, as Tim Duncan would do, quietly retired from the NBA <laughs> last week. So, as a matter of fact, there's like a meme going around with uh, like someone mocking him writing the Players Tribune, which I love, by the way. But Mocker says, Tim Duncan's retirement, quote, yup, end quote, by Tim Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> so, given so, that, so, Brevin, what is Tim Duncan's place among the all time greats? I think he's the best power forward, who, like, like, whoever played in the game. Uh, so, 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 what are your thoughts on Tim Duncan's like? Uh, well, I'm gonna be honest. I am not an NBA guy in the least. So no. I'm not gonna sit. Okay, I'm sorry about that, but I just had to say that up front. <laughs> that being said, that being said, even a non-NBA guy like myself can has to acknowledge and has to know who is Tim Duncan and what he was to the game. Yes. You know, especially. Um, having been in college in ACC territory and having um, been an, an alumnus of the um, institution that had to play that Wake Forest team in the first round of the NCAA in the that. spring of 1995. Yes, Tim Duncan, Ray Childress, uh, Rusty, um, was it LaRue? Rusty? Yes, yeah. Yeah. LaRue. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, all those guys. We had to play them in the first round and um, knowing that, you know, that being there for the heightened interest between those two schools separated only by about 15, 20 something miles. So, um, 
you, you have again. I have a an appreciation for for Duncan, the player, the way he, the definitely the wins. You, you can't, you, like I said, even a non NBA guy knows that Tim Duncan was a winner. You know, from pretty much right. from day on, day one. Um, right. I I don't I couldn't put together a list of the greatest power forwards, but obviously for what he's accomplished, he's got to be up there. You know, there's there's no yeah. way to right. there's no other way to put it. Um, I, I just, to flip the script though, I've always admired the way Duncan carried himself. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I like quiet and understated. That's me. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Um, mm-hmm. I like the fact that sure. you know one of the, one of the most interesting stories I heard about him. I don't know if that's still the case, but um, mm-hmm. at his home he built a paintball course in his backyard. Mm. That's cool. And I'm like, what sort of brother oh, does that? Because I play paintball. Yeah, I, well, I don't play now, but I've played paintball and thoroughly enjoyed paintball. And to hear that him and I think also, um, uh, oh, shoot, what's the name of the man? Um, uh, I, I'm, my memory's failing me. Um, the receiver for the Ravens, Stephen, uh, Steve, oh, Steve Smith. Steve Smith. Yes, yeah, Steve Smith okay. also. At, at a point was a big paintball enthusiast. So to hear about brothers like that um, going out and participating in these sort of activities that's kind of off the, the the brother path, if you will, you know, <laughs> you know that, that also put that little extra something in my heart. It's like, you know what, I dig this dude. That's that's kind of my kind of dude right there. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say this, brother. He's a five-time NBA champion. I know Dwayne would appreciate this. He's a five-time NBA champion. They yep. lost only once in the finals. That was to the, the Miami Heat when they actually mm-hmm. should have beaten the Miami Heat. It was yeah. for Ray Allen. The day. But he's a three-time finals NBA Finals MVP. He was a two-time most viable player in the NBA. And 15-time All-Star. And one thing I love about this guy, well, two things. First, he made the playoffs every single year of his career. Every year. No other player can say that. Every right. year of his career. He made the, his team. His San Antonio Spurs, the only team he played for, made the playoffs. And secondly, and this is this is, this really sticks out for me. Who a guy growing up in Winston Salem, a fan of Wake Forest basketball during that time when Duncan played, Childress played, Larue played, and all those cats. Duncan was four and zero at Cameron Indoor Stadium. That's why he never lost that Duke. He never lost that Duke. Uh. He, actually, he he and and, and, and Carolina's Tyler Hansborough are the only two cats that I know oh, of wow. to finish undefeated. He, they, they both finish undefeated at Duke's Cameron Indoor Stadium. If that's Man. not impressive, <laughs> I don't know what it is. That, that's definitely that's impressive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dwayne, do you, do you consider Duncan more of a power forward or a center? Because I, he came to the league as a power forward. He played center in college, but I think he mm-hmm. said the, the, the first half of his career as a power forward alongside David Robinson, and people associated with the power forward, I think. So you can say more power forward or center, or what, what, what's your take on ducking his legacy? Well, you ask me, I say power forward. You ask my, my co-host Lou, he says that uh, basically Greg Popovich protected him by putting him at power forward because he felt as though he would have been exposed at center. But um, – me, I, I have them top three uh, in power force. It's depending upon what day you catch me. It's going to be between him 
and and as much as I hate to say this, I, I thoroughly respect what I hate. And I know it's a hate's a strong word. I hate mm-hmm. Carl Malone, but he is still <laughs> yeah. one of the the better power fours of all time. So depending upon the right. day that you catch me on, Duncan, Barkley, Malone, it is it's always my top three in the conversation. But one of the things that people tend to forget is that this greatness of 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 Tim Duncan comes with a whole lot of luck. There are a lot of things people tend to mm. not pay attention to. If not for the okay. great if not for the great scouting team of the San Antonio Spurs, they don't draft players around him and develop those players to play well and have a great team. Without Greg Popovich, you don't have that great coach that stays there and coaches this great team. Also, mm-hmm. without the GM, they don't, they're not capable of, of, of working the contracts to keep these guys together long enough to have this great run. And people also forget that this almost wasn't the, wasn't the case because he was almost out the door in 2000. He almost ended up in Orlando mm, right. with T-Mac right. and, and Grant Hill. And God knows, right. think about that decision. Because he was in that free agency class of 2000, fresh off the Lakers' very first win in that, that 3 P era in 2000, 2002, where they right. had Shaq Kobe in the Lakers. They had Sacramento mm. Kings with, with, uh, with, with, with Chris Webber. You had Minnesota Weber. and KG. You had a lot. You had Dirk in in, in um, uh, Dallas. You had a lot of tough teams in the West, and he very could have easily gone to a, a, a aging East with Reggie Miller in Indiana. Uh, the Knicks getting old. Miami was getting old at that time. Chicago was getting mm-hmm. old. He could have gone to the East and played with that talented Orlando squad, and probably if that's the other thing too, if. Grant Hill would have stayed healthy. Even T-Mac and, and Tim yeah. Duncan probably would have been good enough to get him to the finals, but no. He decided to oh, stay with San oh, Antonio, yeah. you know, and, and, and his legacy is 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 um is heightened by that. But God knows what could have happened had he gone to Orlando. But well, in essence, that, I mean, that is the essence of Tim Duncan, though. Not to, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's just his way. You know, how many pay cuts has he – not pay cuts, but – how many, how it, Boy, comparatively anyway. speaking, he was underpaid. Right. You know, oh, right. don't don't get it twisted. There were times in which he got he got cheddar, but there were yeah. other times in which you know, un, unlike du, uh, Dwayne Wade, there were times where he took cuts, and there were times where he he was the most paid. So that's why he was in that situation where he was willing to stay because they were able to work that thing out. Uh, and I still don't understand. Why? Why D. Wade can't wasn't capable of thinking that through throughout his entire time in Miami, but that's another podcast for another day. That sounds like almost well, an hour yeah, exactly. right there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But, exactly. But but you're that's right. Fair. He he was capable of making those decisions, and, and yeah, he he was right player, right system, right coaching staff, yep. right front office, Definitely right team, and, and 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 right legacy. Yeah, definitely the right coach, definitely the right system there. San Antonio has one of the better sports organizations on sports. Let's just close out on this. This is my top five power forwards of all time. I made it all, all, like mm-hmm. on my blog when I wrote it over to Tim Duncan two weeks ago. Um, and feel free to throw darts at because I know you guys will. Um, this is my top five power forwards of all time, great power forwards of all time. Duncan, 
Carl Malone, Dave Cowens of Boston, Charles mm-hmm. Barkley, and Dennis Rodman. That's my top five power forwards. Feel free you to know stick what? away at it. I don't have beef with it. Because no, I'm cool with it. Dave. People, people sleep on Dave Cowens. I mean, you could throw in great. Kevin McHale over Cowens. You know, depending upon who you are and what generation you grew up in, some people were so McHale over Cowens. But a lot of people sleep on right. Dave Cowens. Dave Cowens was a monster during those 70 Celtic squads. I like the Rodman just for the conversational eight, aspect of it. Yeah, oh, Rodman was the best rebounder. Best yes, rebounder yeah. ever. That's Rodman. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, I, I, well, I guess that was easy. I thought you got the Surprise, Scott, you told me you were going to throw all kind of darts on your top five. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, this ain't first take, but uh, anyway, thanks a lot for joining me on this podcast, man. We'll definitely do it again soon, and have a good night, and let's hope and pray that Nike and Under Armour will do the MIAC right. So take yes, care, sir. fellas. Oh, yes, it was fun. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Those are my guys, Bourbon Taylor, Dwayne Ash. Please check them out individually. Uh, Bourbon Taylor with the WS Project on Facebook. The hard to do all sorts of cool stuff there with the uh, uh, with that crew, especially the, the woman who goes by Lady. She's one of my favorites. And as well as Dwayne Nash. Check out his show, Sleazy Sports Radio, every Tuesday night. And his contributions to uh, the WS Project as well. And the U.S. Like HBCU Sports. This is Scott Burks. Thanks for listening to Clown Hour. Have a good night. 06. <laughs>